We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Mile High Insiders with Nick Kendall and Luke Patterson. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Now, it's time to find out what's going on behind the walls of UC Health Training Center. Welcome to the Mile High Insiders podcast. And as you can see, Luke is not here today. He is taking the night off for his birthday. So we have Lance Anderson from Dove Valley Deep Divers coming in to take his place. So thank you for that, Lance, for joining. We appreciate it. Uh, better than me trying to do it by myself. So how are things going? Doing good, man. It's been a long time since we got an opportunity to chat together. Uh, we did some draft coverage, I believe, last year. And then obviously we got to a chance to meet up live at the uh, the Mile High Huddle meet and greet a couple of years ago at the Jets game. So I'm excited to talk to you, man. I haven't got a chance to really chop it up with you in quite a while. And I'm always curious to get some other people's takes and just kind of switch up the conversation. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. Eric's my brother. He's my dude. I love the guy to death, but you know what? He, he grinds on me a little bit and he gets after me a little bit, a little bit too often. So nice to be able to open up and just change up the discussion a little bit, man. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, I'm coming, obviously you can tell that my background is different. I'm coming from Patriots country of all place in enemy territory, I'm out in New England. So I'm coming at you from a little later, but we got some big news to talk about and uh, we've got a lot of different perspectives, uh, you know, coming from mile high. So it's uh, mile high huddle. So it's nice to have you here, different perspective than Luke and we'll see how it goes, but I'm pretty excited, man. It's uh, like you said, we haven't really had a chance to jump on a podcast together. So uh, we got some news, not big, big news, but we do have a little bit of news. We've got kicker news. So for all you kicker fans out there, uh, this is going to be your show because we're going to jump in and talk about, obviously, Brandon McManus was cut and re-signed. he was signed with the uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Broncos have uh, got themselves a new kicker. But before we jump into that, let's uh, let's see who, who we've got joining the chat today to welcome Lance into the show. I'm Michael Ronquillo is always here. Appreciate it. He's coming in as always. Uh, faithful observer of uh, Mile High Huddle in general. So, Michael, thank you for being here. He's saying good evening, Thomas Hall and Lance. I'm Mile High Insiders. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you for Bye -bye. being here, Michael. We really appreciate it. And again, we can never put into words how much we, uh, you know, really appreciate your support. So, thank you very much. 
And David McGillrath's coming in with a super. Appreciate that very much, David. Saying good evening, Broncos country. Luke, Tom, Dylan, and Deacon Scott. Buckham times three. All right. Mile high huddle for life. Denver Broncos for life. Thank you for being here, David. Really appreciate it. And, of course, we really appreciate the support as well. And don't forget to tune in to Dove Valley Deep Divers on Friday. Lance is uh, co-hosts that show with Eric. It's another nice show on uh, Friday night if you want to catch that. And, of course, subscribe to the show and, uh, you know, like the show and uh, tell your friends and family about it, right? You know, get some more people uh, jumping in here to talk football in the live stream. So, all right, Lance, what is your – tell me what your initial take was of at least cutting – Brandon McManus, right? That's what's the impetus for this new new change. Yeah, it, I don't like the move, honestly. Like I, I understand it. Um, I, I was talking with Carl about it a little bit last night on um, building the Broncos, and to me, this is Sean Payton literally making everything his own creation, as Chad likes to say on his new uh, his new album, Bridge the Bridge the Gap album. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, he, he's coming, he's got his fingerprints on literally everything. Sean Payton is no longer, uh, excuse me, George Payton is no longer in power. Every move that you've seen has been a Sean Payton kind of a deal. And it's really been to overhaul this special teams move. And this, the Broncos moving on from Brandon McManus is the, the final piece to that puzzle. I, I firmly believe that. Um, and to me, it didn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense other than with Sean Payton coming in and resetting the culture from the top down that is the really the big grinding factor for me, you know, because Brandon McManus, while he struggled last season, he missed three times from inside 40, which is more than he had the previous three seasons combined. Um, Obviously he struggled last season, um, missed an extra point, I believe as well, had a a couple of kicks blocked and just really struggled overall, but he wasn't necessarily that expensive for, I mean, for a kicker, he was expensive, but in terms of what his salary cap hit was against the Broncos, I believe they saved like $2.6 million or something like that against the salary cap. But to me, it's the culture. He's the Broncos player rep for the NFLPA, And he um, is a very big proponent of enforcing what the NFLPA says with OTAs. Don't come guys. This is a voluntary thing. You don't have to be here. I'm not going to be there. And I think that was really the big thing. The Broncos will never say it out loud, but I do think that that was the big driving force behind the move. Yeah. Sorry, man. I got to sneeze there. Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah. For me, it was a bittersweet really, Mm because he's the last remaining member of Super Bowl 50, which we all hold dear to our hearts, but you know, it's been a lot of years of losing seasons, right? So like you said, new culture change, getting rid of some uh, old blood, bringing in somebody new and the new person has very little experience. And and it, I kind of thought it was a strange move to cut Brandon McManus without anything else in place as a plan, right? It was just, I feel like it was a financial move. They cut him, maybe a culture change move. It, like I said, it's bittersweet, but they had no options. So now they brought in some options and they decided to go with Elliot Fry, who is very inexperienced. I mean, he's been with a lot of teams, don't get me wrong. But as an NFL kicker goes, he's only kicked six field goals. So that's a lot That's a lot riding on somebody when you had someone like McManus who was key to that Super Bowl run in 2015. I mean, if it hadn't been for him, they probably would have never got there. So you had a reliable kicker that got you over the hump, and now you're going with somebody that's an unknown. And that's a little bit disconcerting to me 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And Scott, it, behind the scenes before we uh, before we went live was talking. He was with the, the Atlanta Falcons there for uh, for a year or a, a couple of years, something like that. Uh, and Scott said that the Falcons literally cut and re-signed him for like six weeks in a row. They 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 did it so often that the um, they stopped reporting on it just because it was like a, a financial decision or something like that, moving money around. But they would cut him on Friday, get after the game, re-sign him on Monday, keep him on the practice squad, stash him away, cut him on Friday, and just repeat that process. You know, yeah. and like the 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 most experience he has as a, a, a team's leading kicker. This is from Andrew Mason at DenverSports.com. Uh, he said that. Uh, he was uh, the primary kicker for the Orlando Apollos back in the AAF back in 2019, went 14 of 14 for the Apollos, but every kick was inside of 50 yards. In fact, his career long as a professional is 44 yards. So this is a very strange move to me to go. And I, I want to grab this comment from, from Tom Lockhoff. He comes in with a, with a $5 super chat. So thank you, Tom, for that. He says, good day, guys. It would have only made sense if before if it was before free agency started so we could have a better replacement. It makes zero sense now to move on from Brandon McManus. And I 100% agree with this. If nothing else, you keep McManus in the fold and you bring in a guy like Fry or they had um, – Patrick White, I believe, is what his name was. Um, the other, the other kicker they brought in, and then Brett Maher, who was formerly with the Dallas Cowboys. Bring those guys in as a competition. Let them kick it out. And if it's even anywhere close, then you make that move and you move on to save that little bit of money in, on the back end uh, going into the season. Making this move post June first and like making, I don't want to say a big deal out of it, but like kind of making a statement. We're in the middle of OTAs and we're going to move on from our veteran experienced kicker, a, a leader on this team and a guy that was the last, like you said, the last remaining member of the Super Bowl 50 team. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it, it's a cost cutting move or some other, some other reason, but yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense. And if you think about it, the Fry, this, he, this will be his 12th team. I believe that he's been on. And if you go back to his college days and you look at what he did in college, he wasn't that great of a kicker. He his his bet, you know, final season, his senior season was like 75% accuracy, which doesn't really cut it. If you look at that compared to 2023, the kickers in the NCA, some of them were drafted in this last draft. He'd be 75th out of all of those kickers. 75th. That's not very good accuracy. And it just he's kicked. He went five of six in the NFL. It's just there's so little to grab onto to say this Brandon McManus move was worth it. And we had Cecil Lammy on here last week, and he talked about it. And he said uh, this, you know, cutting McManus and bringing somebody in, depending on who you bring in, could make the difference between, a, you know, eight or, like a nine or ten win team or a seven, eight win team. And that's what we're going to be watching as Broncos fans going you know, all collectively holding our breaths, hoping that this inexperienced guy is going to win a game for the Broncos. And yep. I just, it is a, it's a, I, I was okay with Brandon Manis moving on. I, I, it wasn't that I didn't think that I, I thought he was playing too poorly for his salary. Right. So moving on from him makes a little bit of sense. The timing of it makes no sense and having nothing in, you know, behind him to take his place they had to bring in brand new kickers. It makes no sense to me. So that, right. that's where I'm at. I hope it doesn't come back to bite the Broncos. Like they could be sitting there on the cusp of a playoff uh, berth for the first time in several years, and the kicker 
misses the field goal to, uh, and they go home for the season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah. Uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here on Facebook. What's up, Phil? It's always a pleasure to have you in the chat. You are one of the best supporters here at the Mile High Huddle community, man. So thank you once again for joining us tonight. He says, uh, good evening, Lance, Thomas, and Deacon Scott. I hope I'm wrong, but I doubt Fry is kicking by the end of the season. Got to be a better kicker out there. Hashtag Buckham with a B, YouTube, easy killer. Uh, and uh, hashtag MHH for life. I, I I agree with you on this one, Phil. I, I don't know with Fry and the inexperience here. And like you said, Tom, I, I, I do think that this is like, it very well could be the difference between, you know, a, a, a team that has 10 or 11 wins. I think the Broncos have enough talent on this roster to get there. So long as Russell Wilson plays well and Sean Payton, you know, by all stretch of everything we've been reported on has made it, you know, we're going to get back to the right way of playing football. So now imagine you need to go out there, you know, week seven or eight, uh, maybe somewhere, you know, middle of the season sometime, and you need a game-winning kick, you know, a, a 47-yard field goal game winner, and we've got an inexperienced kicker out there that has six career field goals to his name, seven career extra points to his name. He's missed two of those as well, and you got you're relying on this guy to go out there and win you the football game. That to me is just super nerve wracking. We've at least seen Brandon McManus be able to make that kick. We've seen Brett Maher be able to make that kick before. And I'm not pounding the table for Maher to be the guy, but I do think that they need to get him brought into the fold and maybe bring him in for a competition and really start this competition up in training camp and not just rely on a guy that we don't know anything about. 
Tom, you're muted. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. Okay, <laughs> sorry about that. I must have hit the button on accident. Yeah, George Fox coming in saying something very similar, right? I feel this uh, this was a big mistake. I'm not happy about it. Denver Broncos for life. Mile I huddle for life. Thanks, guys, for all the information on the team. My feeling with it is, just like George here saying it was a mistake, because if they were planning on doing this, why did they draft a safety that they didn't aren't going to end up needing if they're going to re-sign Kareem Jackson? I mean, these were in these were plans in their mind, right? Why not take a chance on a kicker in college, mm -hmm. a, a good kicker, someone that had proven themselves in college, take a swing on one with a six-round pick. You don't need that extra safety who may not even make the team now that Kareem Jackson is re-signed. It just it, it boggles my mind to think that they had no plan and it was almost kind of a last-minute afterthought. That's what bothers me the most. It wasn't – they seem like they've been very strategic in a lot of their moves this offseason. They, they went out. They spent the money to shore up the offensive line. They've gone out and they've they've signed the players to fill in spots. And this is just almost like they just felt like doing it kind of thing. And I know that is is in the NFL. They I'm sure they plan it out, but it seems very unplanned. I would assume just you know follow your plan. If you're going to clean the culture out, you're going to get rid of you know those past players that have been used to losing. Why not do it? right away, or at least draft somebody and, and put a competition out there. You know, like you said, have a competition. Don't just cut them and then go, well, we got to bring somebody in. And that's what they did. They brought somebody in that just anybody really, because this guy's an unknown. Yeah. Uh, Gary Palmer jumping in here with a $10 super chat. And he says, uh, evening Lance, Thomas and Scott, I don't know what's happening. And that may be the point. I hope go Broncos <laughs> and Buckham with a B. Uh, yeah, Gary, I'm, I'm with you on that. And that very well could be the point here is that we're not going to leak all this information out over the last couple of seasons, you know, especially last season with Nathaniel Hackett in, uh, in the fold, the Broncos were very public with pretty much everything they did. I mean, they showed, they showed video of inside the draft room. They, they did that, uh, the year before with, uh, with Vic Fangio with the behind the Broncos series. We haven't seen any of that. You know, Sean Payton came in in his opening press conferences and he's like, I want anonymous donors. I want people to just shut the hell up and go to work. Like we're not doing this whole social media thing. And we talked about that last night as well with Russell Wilson. And then unfortunately for us, he actually released some photos of him and his wife over the weekend, which, I don't, I don't mind any of that. Don't, don't, I'm not going to get into the hot takery of that. <laughs> That's stupid. It's, it's dumb, whatever, but it's very true though. Everything about the Broncos this off season. I mean, even going back to your guy, JL Skinner, who I, I disagree with you a little bit. I think that JL Skinner is a, a very good player. He's a very good special teams player. So that was the move there. I think Delarin Turner yell is the guy that needs to be on, on the lookout here because JL Skinner was a third round pick in my estimation. And that pectoral injury that he suffered in the pre-draft workout really dropped his draft status. Taking a player that has an injury, you're obviously going to take him a little bit later he's a better player than Delaire and Turner Yellows. There's no question in my mind. So he's probably, that's where the move's going to be at on that one. Regardless, I, I think that with this whole, I don't know what's happening and nobody else does. That really is the point because Brandon McManus is a very big and boisterous personality. He's a guy that gets out there on the main lines. He loves to go out there at training camp, dressed up as referees and blowing whistles and throwing flags. And he, he's out there having fun. Uh, he's again, a very big personality off the field and, you're a kicker, dude. Shut up and go to work. Like we, we don't need to hear from our kicker every other week and in, in doing interviews and stuff like that. So I, 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 
I think the big thing again, and I'm going to say it again with Sean Payton recreating the culture, wanting those anonymous donors, that that's where this move comes from. And again, we just don't know what's happening. So I, I'm curious to see how this all plays out. That's for sure. I'm very curious to see how this all plays out in, in August. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. You know, I, I like Skinner too coming out of the draft. I thought he fell, but it's not just Delaren Turner yell. I mean, if they're going to keep four, you got to get rid of PJ Locke or you got to get mm-hmm. rid of Caden Stearns at this point, right? Unless they decide that the dead money that they they have very little dead money and they're just like Cream Jackson's not not going to make that the team, then fine. But for me, all these moves have made sense though, right? Even though it's been quiet, even though people haven't been leaking stuff to the media. Every time they've done something, I was like, that kind of makes sense. I get it. And this, to make this make sense, we've got to kind of dig deep to figure out, you know, oh, well, maybe it's because he's, you know, a big personality and we, they don't want that into the team or maybe because there's a cost-cutting move, or, but we don't really know why. So to me, that kind of boggles my mind because other stuff made sense. When they went out and spent all the money on the offensive line, I didn't necessarily care for that much money going out as a, you know, a fan looking on saying, what about the salary cap? but it made sense. They've got to fix that old offensive line. You know, when they brought in uh, the running back there, uh, P ride, that made sense because Javante Williams is, you know, mm-hmm. hobbled. That definitely made sense. It, a lot of these moves did even cream Jackson to me makes a little bit of sense because of his leadership. And everybody has talked about his leadership. That makes sense. Even though you're probably pushing a young guy off the roster that you drafted recently, it still makes sense to me having no backup plan doesn't make sense. And that's, that's why I think a lot of the fans are kind of scratching their heads saying, what was this for? What, why did they do this in this way kind of thing? Yeah. So that's where, that's where I'm coming from. I like that they're quiet, but uh, you know, it's, it still doesn't make sense. We've got Phil McLaughlin coming in here. Thank you so much, Phil. Of course, you're one of our favorites here on mile high insiders saying, I have looked at the stats for kickers in the XFL and USFL. There are some with much better percentages. Seems like a logical place to look. Well, that's that makes a great point, Phil. Uh, I have not looked at the XFL or USFL for kickers. Likewise. Um, ob- obviously, you know, this this um, kicker that came in was, you know, in a developmental league, the AAFC or whatever it was called, uh, Amer- American Football Alliance of American Football, or whatever it was. I can't even remember. It's been so long ago, right? It was like 2019, yeah. been forever yeah. ago. He He was accurate there uh you know but the nfl is a it's just a different a whole different thing man it's it this is the best of the best if you're not out there you know doing a good job kicking you're gonna you're gonna lose your job right away and the lights are bigger brighter it's uh i don't know but you're right i just feel like they're even the ones that the you know kickers they brought in they've had their struggles it, but they even they've had more experience. So maybe they see something that we don't. Maybe he came in and just nailed every kick and they're just blown away. But it I don't know. And here we are talking about kickers. You know, it's crazy. I, I was going to say we, we've we've spent damn near 20 minutes talking about kickers and, and what no. what this is like. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's crazy. I, like it, it's the slow time, guys. But there's there's news, you know. Um, there's also other moves that were made. The Broncos did bring in a tight end, Thomas Hudson, I believe is his name. Um, yep. At least Jock, uh, Jock Patrick, who was a former XFL running back, um, to make move for him. Um, they also moved, I believe, another running back as well. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, I, I think, is yep. the one that they that they released to to bring in Elliot Fry. So 
like the Broncos have made some moves. They're kind of turning the lower end of this roster, and that's always smart. And especially in the offseason, you know, you, you have the ability to bring in 90 guys and just get the best competition you possibly can. Um, the guys underneath the top 51 cap hits don't count against your salary cap. So it, it it's always smart to just keep this roster churning over, especially on the bottom side, because you never know what um, – what uh what what you might find and harold gene says we didn't release jaleel it was the other um yeah mcallister uh, mcallister right yeah McAllister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry about yeah yep that's right that's right sorry about that i, I do apologize a little house cleaning there but um the, the one thing that i i, I want to kind of chop up with you a little bit here and going back to kareem jackson and like you said the leadership and just the ability of him to trigger down in the running game is a, a very aggressive tackler something that really made sense with me going back to you know all these move making sense um is with with Kareem Jackson he played four consecutive seasons with the Denver Broncos and was a free agent so he actually got an exemption on his contract it's a four year qualifying offer the Broncos actually saved i believe 1.8 million dollars in cap space by bringing him back so that's a, just a smart move in general you bring right. a guy that the, that the players all like he's a, a quality player at least in in short area quickness and stuff like that he's not a guy that you want to have you know roaming the the single high center fielder as a free safety in a cover 3 scheme but you at least have have a guy that you can come in and rely on. You know, you don't know what Caden Stearns is looking like coming back from that hip injury. You don't know what JL Skinner is going to look like. Uh, PJ Locke, while he was effective last season, late down the stretch, um, he's still a very big question mark. So bringing a guy back in that you know has experience, you know has that leadership, you know can play still at a fairly decent, decently high level was a very good move in my in my opinion. Yeah, financially speaking, absolutely. But pass defense speaking, I kind of scratched my head because he he was exposed in pass defense. There's no no question last season. I do like his ability to hit. I like his leadership ability. But what I don't like is they've invested, and they weren't high draft picks, but they were mid-round draft picks in young safeties that they should develop. If you want to get younger, you want to have a nucleus of your team growing together, you can't afford to bring in an aging vet to knock one of those guys off the roster. It could right. be J.L. Skinner. Like you said, Aaron Turner yell. It could be even, you know, Caden Stearns or PJ Locke, who, you know, they're not superstars, but they're a young nucleus of the team in, in two or three years, they're going to be that, that mm -hmm. uh, reliable piece. And just to bring back, you know, a leader that doesn't have much left in the tank. That that's what kind of bothered me about Kareem Jackson. Mm -hmm. uh, the money doesn't bother me. And, you know, the leadership is great, but, you know, he's also been a part of, you know, several losing seasons too. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to clean out that losing mentality, so to speak, not that he's a, you know, he, he's a losing mentality type of player. I'm just saying like people get stuck in a, a rut. And if you want to make some change, bringing him back didn't make a ton of sense to me. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. I just don't want him to push off a young uh, up and coming player who can hopefully help the team for a lot longer and then they go off and become like Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie with the Bills or somebody else who left the Broncos and became a pretty solid player, Connor McGovern, you know. Or how about like this guy that uh, Lawrence Rivera's shouting out yeah, here? He's saying, exactly. I say we need to bring Shaq Barrett back if we want a real shot. He's still in his prime. He could basically be. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That a key to lead personality, we need to own Mahomes like he continually had in years past. It could be that factor, especially with Mahomes' leg health problems. And I don't know that a reunion with Shaq Barris in the fold, I think he's probably going to want too much money. I'm not even sure if he's a free agent, to tell you the truth. I don't know. I, I haven't followed Shaq Barrett after he had that 17-sack season. And everyone's like, oh, man, holy cow, the Broncos missed out on this guy. They, they were never going to be able to afford him. They, they still had um, they still had Von Miller. They were really interested in what Shane Ray was going to be doing. Like that, that whole situation was something that Shaq Barrett wanted to move on to bigger and better things. The Broncos let him do it, and he just blew up. If he does – if the Broncos do want to bring him back, it's going to have to be on a deal that's – a not, I'm not going to say veteran minimum, but you're going to you, you need to be below what 8.9 million dollars. I think the Broncos have in salary cap space right now, so you got to be very creative with your with your financial aspect of bringing Shaq Barrett back. I like the idea for sure. Um, I, I believe he had some experience with Vance Joseph as well, so there's a personal connection there with uh, Shaq Barrett and the Broncos again. But um, I, I don't know. What do you think, Tom? Shaq Barrett is is, is he a potential option here? I, I would love it. To have him back, right? But you're like you said, financially speaking, probably not going to happen. But yeah. the well, there is big question marks in the edge rusher uh, group for the Broncos. There just is. There's no question about it. Randy Gregory has not stayed healthy, and he hasn't been on the field a ton over his career, suspensions and whatnot. You know, you've got Baron Browning who was injured. There, there is. They have star caliber players there, but there's question marks. And if you could somehow figure out the financial, I, uh, I would I would welcome him, him back in a heartbeat because you know he's a he's one of those star caliber pass rushers, and you you know if if Randy Gregory goes down, this defense is going to suffer. And I mean I I did not like the signing to begin with. I thought it was I thought it was a, a bad signing back when they made that deal because he's just not on the field. And if he doesn't make it on the field again this year, it's going to be a huge you know, black eye, I, in my opinion, for uh, uh, George Payton for signing uh, Randy Gregory. But I would love to see him come back. It's a be a great reunion. I just don't know if they can make it work financially. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah, well, and Scott comes in, He's and he says behind the scenes here, uh, he's got two years left on his deal, and he's $21 million this season. It's not happening. You're not trading for a guy like that. Just not doing it. So, which is unfortunate. I mean, I, I like I like the the concept. I like the the idea behind it. But yeah, you're not you're not going to get a guy like a Shaq Barrett to to come. You're not trading for a, a player of that caliber with that kind of money to. Um, to especially with the, the cap space the Broncos have. Uh, Phil jumping back in third time, man. Holy cow, Phil, what's up, dude? Um, he says I think Jason Elam could st- still kick better than Elliot Fry. <laughs> <laughs> Going old I mean, school. <laughs> can, can we get the uh, Gary Anderson or Morton Anderson while we're yeah. at it? I mean, maybe let's, Rich let's Carlos, some somebody. <laughs> get Rich Carlos. Bring back the barefoot kicker. Oh, man, thank no, you for man. bringing up uh, Jason Elon's name, Phil. Man, 
uh, one of the best kickers. I mean, the best kicker in Broncos uh, history for sure, but one of the best kickers in NFL history, really. I mean, you could probably make an argument, and I have, for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you can bring him back, but yeah, it's it's just pointing out that you know it's a, it's, it seems kind of absurd to think Jason Elam could come back and kick better, but that's that's the the whole point we're trying to make is this is a head scratching move. If we're already like, Hey, maybe we would, maybe uh, rich Carlos can come back or, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It, it's a head scratcher. And I don't, I just don't see it. I, d- I just don't see why they did it the way they did it. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm always, I'm always down for a little Jason Elam, Elam banter for sure. Bringing back old school. I was going to say, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always welcoming the the conversation and going back to 98, 99, John Elway and Rod Smith, Terrell Davis, Shannon, like all those guys. In fact, I actually just I've retweeted a video. Um, the Denver Broncos social media account retweeted somebody asking who's the, the best number 80 that you can think of. And they're the, obviously the Broncos, they, they retweeted and they said uh, Rod Smith, like the greatest undrafted wide receiver in NFL history, yeah. unless you want to talk Wes Welker, but, Regardless, that's my opinion. Rod Smith, greatest <laughs> undrafted, greatest undrafted wide receiver in NFL history. It's a shame he's not in the Hall of Fame. He should be. Yeah. He just recently got into the Ring of Fame. But two Super Bowl championships, two two Super Bowl championships, um, like I think nine one thousand yard seasons, twelve thousand total yards in his career, um, right at a thousand catches in his career, like. You're talking one yeah. of the great wide receivers of his generation back from 96, I believe, was when he got his breakout year, and then all the way through 2007 95. or yeah, 95, yeah. So 95, he caught that game-winning touchdown against yep. the Washington yep. Redskins and then built from there. But, yeah, no, you're preaching to the choir about Rod Smith. He's, uh, you know, and, and the number 80 really <laughs> – I know we're going to go old school here for a minute, but the number 80 is a pretty uh, pretty special number for the Broncos, you got Rick Upchurch, you've got others, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, it's a very special number, but Rod Smith is at the top of that class for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know what I want to talk about though, a little bit this, because we brought it up and we kind of glossed over the whole tight end, bringing in that new tight end and they cut two running backs. To me, all the signs are still pointing and it boggles my mind that it's happening that Javante Williams is actually what they say he is, that he's healing up, perfectly and he's going to be ready for training camp to cut those especially the big bruiser type the the one of the bigger guy that they cut that i thought was had a potential shot of making the team right that tells me that javante williams this isn't just smoke that they're slinging that he's looks like he's going to be ready man i i don't know on, on I know, I, same I, here. Like, so i i without being at OTAs and and seeing what he was moving around, like there, there was multiple reports out there just saying that he was out there and he was out kind of running around, cutting a little bit and um, taking some, taking some reps out of the backfield, catching passes and doing it. I think he did a little bit of seven on seven, but we're talking OTAs here, guys. It's like 60%. You're not running full speed by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not trying to be the wet blanket here, but like I've said multiple different times before the guy tore three out of four, knee ligaments in his in his left knee and is yeah his left knee and he's out there doing a little bit of workout I I think that's more of a test and baseline of where he's at more than it's like a sign that he's going to be ready like I'm just being real here you know the the average the the average time worth of rehab that you need to have to suffer that kind of injury is anywhere from 14 to 16 months like that's a year and and two to four months at you know and he suffered that knee injury in october week four like 
I don't want to, you know, dampen everybody's hopes and stuff like that, but I don't think that seeing him out there was more of just a, let's see where you're at. Let's get you running just a little bit, kind of test that knee out, see what we're looking at. Um, if, if he does come back, I'll put a big tweet, change my Twitter handle. I don't know. I, what, what, <laughs> like it's it's, it's going to be obviously something silly like that, but like, I don't expect him to be ready for the start of the season, much less the start of training camp. If he does, you're talking Adrian Peterson style of rehab. And if that happens, then Javante Williams is rushing for 2000 yards next season. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah, it's just that they haven't made any moves to make me think that they they're desperate for someone to fill in. So Mm -hmm. I'm with you, man. I've been saying the same thing. Like, from the very beginning, do not expect him to be back soon. That's a major injury. But uh, then I keep seeing all these non-moves, so to speak, or these moves that get rid of running backs. It's like, man, I keep going back and forth. Are they really telling what telling it how it is? I don't know. We got Troy Boer coming in with the Super Chat. Thank you so much for the support. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Friends. And his question is this. Who is your surprise cut tomorrow by another team that the Broncos might be interested in? A kicker? Any potential centers? Those are good questions. Uh, the Broncos need a center. I mean, mm-hmm. I, in my opinion, they that's the weak link in their entire offensive line. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Is there going to be some surprise January 1st cuts coming down? Anything on your radar, Lance? Well, the one that – and I talked about it last night. I don't I, – I hate to keep – like making the same points over and over again but we got a new audience tonight i haven't got a chance to to chop it up with you so um the one that i know is coming down the pike is dalvin cook from all reports is going to be a june first release um so there's that running back you're potentially making room for you know Uh, i don't know what the deal would potentially look like hopefully it's a two-year deal and you get about six million dollars you know and figure out a way to lower that cap hit give him a, a smaller little signing bonus um or maybe you just drop his uh give him a signing bonus, drop his first year salary down to $750,000 and bring him in for two seasons because then you have Javante Williams and Dalvin Cook on the cheap going into 2024. Um, In terms of centers, I actually wrote an article a while ago. Um, It was uh, three free agents that the Broncos could potentially bring in after – this was right after the draft. It was three free agents the Broncos could bring in. And the one that I really liked at the center position was Chase Roulier, formerly with the Washington Commanders. Um, a former six-round pick, turned into a quality starter, was one of the best pass-protecting uh, centers in the game there for two seasons. But he's coming off of a lot of injuries. He's had a knee injury uh, that sidelined him for the majority of this last season. Uh, he had a broken fibula in 2021 that sidelined him for nine games. So he's only played, I believe, 11 total games over the last two seasons. So injury injury concerns aside, you're bringing in a guy that can play the pivot, that's shown to be able to play the center position at a high level, is quality and pass protection, shores up the interior of that offensive line, and would be an immediate upgrade over both Alex Forsyth and, uh, I guess, Kyle Fuller and, I guess, Lloyd Cushenberry as well, because Cushenberry struggles so bad in pass protection, plugging up the A-gap. So that's a veteran signing. He's not a free agent agent right now and i believe he's a street free agent as well because the the commanders released him a few weeks ago so he's not going to count against the the compensatory formula you bring him back that would be a big move for me bring him in on a veteran minimum deal let him go out there and compete he'd probably win the job outright and be a major upgrade and complete the the overhaul of this offensive line yeah that's a great point i mean i really haven't 
uh, other than everybody talking about Cook and, and you know a few other big names that really, I mean, the running back would help. Dalvin Cook would definitely help the Broncos, but mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of any centers that are you know going to be that big surprise. And if they are, are they really that good? You know what I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's none that are making so much money that like, oh, we got to get rid of them kind of thing. Like, like we see uh, with the running backs here that, you know, especially one that you mentioned, Dalvin Cook and whatnot. So I don't, I don't know. I don't see any, I think every rumor that's out there isn't going to be a surprise anymore, but there could be one. And if, if there is one, if a center does become available, the Broncos have to at least try to go after them. They have yeah. to. I know that I think Sean Payton thinks that Cushenberry can turn it around uh, all signs have been pointing to that. I just don't, I just don't trust that he can. So they need to go after it. We got David McElrath coming in with a super. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, He's dude. telling me that there's no way JL Skinner is going to go anywhere. Period. He says JL Skinner's not going anywhere. Period. I I tend to agree with you, David. I like Skinner. I think he was. He fell in the draft. I've said that before. I really like his game. I think he's uh, going to be a future star. But that's why I'm wondering why the heck bring back Kareem Jackson mm-hmm. if he is going to be that future, right? You, I just somebody that they've drafted recently is going to get cut, and, and for a one year, one year at best, uh, safety who's probably not going to be on a team next year. I, that, that's just he's he's probably if he is, it's going to be another minimum deal, but probably not with the Broncos. Why risk? You know, because if you bring him back, your your plans are to keep him, right? You don't bring back a vet like that and say, oh, we'll have you around for training camp and then we're going to send you packing. And they might. I know. I don't know. But that's usually not the plan. So it just it makes me wonder who's that cut. It's it's DeLaren Turner yell and possibly somebody else. Mm-hmm. Depending yeah, on I, how many safeties they keep, if they want to go with heavier in the cornerback room, they're going to have to go with four safeties. And you've got Cream Jackson and Simmons and you got Stearns probably and then. Whoever that fourth guy is is going to knock at least two young, you know, pretty solid uh, safeties with some potential off the roster. Well, I think you're um, with, with Delaire and Turner Yell. That's the one that I, I really think is the guy that's going to move off. Obviously, Sean Payton coming in and resetting everything. You know, sure. uh, he he barely made the roster at the tail end of last season. Played a little bit towards the tail end of last season, um, and he's got practice squad eligibility. Like if you, sure. if you like him to keep, keep him around, you drop him down, keep him on the practice squad, let him just continue to develop. And it all, it, it all goes back again to what does uh, JL Skinner look like in camp? Is he actually even going to be ready to go? Because if he's not ready coming off that torn peck, you put him on the PUP list and you have until week six to make a decision with him. And if you don't bring him back off a of PUP, you put him on IR, you let him sit for the rest of the year, and you still have a veteran guy like Kareem Jackson. So there's there's a couple of different angles to kind of attack that signing and, and figure out why you would do that and also why you would bring in a guy like J.L. Skinner to, to just bring up some competition and everything like that. There's a lot of different ways that this is all – the more that you dive into it, the more that it actually does make sense. And I didn't really even think about that, the whole PUP aspect of it, until literally just now. So – <laughs> if he's if he's not ready to go, you, you you put him on PUP, you put him on IR, you stash him for a year, let him come back. He has the ability to play that Kareem Jackson role, dude. He's like, I, I don't want to say he compares perfectly to Kareem Jackson, but he's a violent hitter. He loves to play down in the box, has decent ball skills, 
good enough range. He can play in a double high system. You don't want to leave him single high because he doesn't have that range to play there. But he can still fill in that Kareem Jackson role. If it's not this year, you've got a perfect guy to mentor him all through the offseason. He can still be around him in the building and stuff like that. Works through him with the season. Next year, you bring him back. There's your guy. Caden Stearns, uh, I love Caden Stearns. I think that he can be a very good player. I think that he's more like a Justin Simmons, has some more range, some more athleticism, better ball skills. Um, But if you can run with those three guys as your safeties, you've got Justin Simmons, who's a franchise cornerstone, and two very good players that can play a rotational role as that nickel safety, nickel dimebacker kind of guy that plays closer to the line of scrimmage and, and run defense. So like I said, the more you break it down, the more it makes a little bit of sense. While it may not make sense right now in the tail end of May, what about May in 2023, 2024? Yeah, good points. I mean, that's a good point. If he's not healed, you can stash him. Uh, yeah, I I just um, would be surprised that he isn't healed and and ready to go though. So if he isn't, absolutely, then you've got you've got somebody uh, ready to go. The, the guy that I was am going to compare that to is Christopher Allen. Edge rusher yeah. who's going to probably surprise some people this year, in my opinion. I saw him out there in training camp. I think he might come on. So you may be right. You may hit the nail on the head there with that one, Lance. So appreciate it. Now, I got a good question here from Phil McLaughlin with more Facebook stars. Thank you for the support, man, as always. Talking about Pelcheski. What do you guys think about Pelcheski? Ready start 65 games, a record for the Big Ten, playing tackle and guard. I came out and said that he's going to be my surprise that makes the team. I, I just, I like his game. I like his versatility. You know, he's an undrafted free agent type guy, but he's got good experience. And at the time I said that the Broncos had only, uh, they hadn't signed Cameron Fleming, right? They had uh, Isaiah Prince as the backup swing tackle, and they really didn't have a, a great depth at guard. So, but I'm still thinking that I like Pilcheski. I think he's uh, got some potential. Maybe he doesn't make the team this year. They stash him on the practice squad because they have Cameron Fleming back in the fold. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I I I, uh, I like him a lot. So I haven't got a chance to watch Palcheski yet. Um, Alex Palcheski, the offensive tackle from Illinois, just for everybody that doesn't know who we're talking about here. Um, I haven't got a chance to watch him yet, but he is one of the guys that I have starred for my uh, film breakdowns that I'm going to do over the course of the summer. Um, getting started with Drew Sanders is the first one I'm going to do. But I'm going to do all of the draft picks and then a handful of the undrafted players. So as soon as I watch him and get a good idea about about his play style, what he brings to the fold, you'll know it because you're going to get five gifts from me like you do on every single one of these articles I do every single year. Um, So I'm not going to speak to him right now, but what I have heard of him is he can play both sides of the offensive line, obviously started 65 games for Illinois in the Big Ten, obviously a Big Ten record there, as Phil just brought up. Um, But other than that, I haven't seen him, so I'm not going to speak to him and give a false narrative, if, if that makes sense to everybody. So I do apologize for that. Yeah, and, and I think the hardest part now is for, for him to make the team is is the re-signing of Cameron Fleming, right? Mm-hmm. Fleming's coming in. He can play that swing tackle. Probably not going to take a chance on a young guy. Uh, so when I, when I said he was going to surprise everybody, that was before. But I'm still going to stick with it and say, you know what? He's going to be he's going to be in the future of the Broncos. I think he's uh, I think he's um, got the uh, got what it takes. You know, being versatile on the offensive line it keeps people around the NFL. Uh, being able to play multiple positions on the offensive mm-hmm. line that mm-hmm. that keeps you in with a job not maybe not a starter but you know having that versatility to swing uh, across the line and play different positions that that keeps you employed in the NFL so i got my fingers crossed for him i hope he uh, i hope he does make it but yeah signing fleming has made that significantly harder 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and Cam Fleming, I, I've said this multiple different times. I've tweeted it out a, a handful of different times as well. He was the best right tackle the Broncos have had in any singular season going back to Orlando Franklin, like quite honestly, 20, what, 2014, I believe was his last year in Denver. So it's been damn near a decade. that The Broncos have been trying to find out a solution at the right tackle position. I, I know for a fact they got the guy in Mike McGlinchey. I think that he's going to be a superstar for this Broncos team at the right tackle position, especially comparing them to everybody else that the Broncos have seen for 10 years. But Fleming last year, he played really well on the right side, won that job fairly easily from the sound of it. And then when Garrett Bowles went down, he switched over to the left side, played pretty well over on the left side as well. So you've got a quality swing tackle that you know has a lot of NFL experience. You bring him back on a cheap deal. It's like one year, $3.1 million. So he's not like a, a, a guy that you're going to be forcing into the rotation more often than not. So Fleming, I, I that was like the most underrated signing that the Broncos made, and nobody talks about it the way that they should because, like I said, he's just a quality player that you know you can trust out there on the field and just be a solidifying force if somebody goes down. And I think he could play some guard too. I, I quite honestly, I think he'd be better at guard. Like I said, versatility keeps you employed in the NFL, mm -hmm. and here he is back with the Broncos. And you're right, he he actually played pretty solid. And and if you remember, people were kind of scratching their head about that, you know, having Fleming on the team, like, you know, he wasn't very He's not very good. He actually played pretty darn good. So yep. I, I appreciate the signing. I appreciate it. I, you know, it just makes me feel bad for the young guys who are trying to make the team probably aren't going to make it, but there's another, there's another question out here asking about who we think the undrafted free agents are that there's one that makes one every, almost every year for the Broncos it's been, I think one year out of, I don't know, 20 that they haven't had one. Who's going to make it? And he's suggesting the running back, Jaleel McLaughlin. Uh, and that's a good one. That's a, I think that the Broncos need that uh, change of pace type back. And so far from the reports, he's really impressed. I think it's a, I think it's a good one to bet on. Yeah. Uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in with his answer here on Facebook, throwing some stars down. So thanks, Michael, for that. Saying cornerback Art Green is one cornerback to watch out for making the Broncos roster. Um I don't disagree with you. A lower level roster guy, quality special teams player, um, sticky in coverage too. Very sticky in coverage. A little handsy, but he's he's a he's a quality player. Um, I liked him. I didn't get a whole a chance to really break him down. I did see a little bit of his tape. Um, again, I'm this is one of the the other guys that I have starred to do a, a film breakdown on because I think he has a quality chance to make the roster based on what I did get to see. Uh, but the guy that I'm very intrigued by is Thomas Incoom, the edge rusher from Central Michigan. Um, He's thick. He's got decent length, plays to it pretty well. Quality run defender, uh, very raw as a pass rusher. So you're, you're looking for him to develop in that certain aspect. But given the landscape of this Broncos edge room, you've got Nick Benito, who was an abject disaster against the run last season. Jonathan Cooper, not very good against the run, but at least somewhat solid. And then Baron Browning, who's still very raw, still needs to learn the, the better nuances of playing full-time as an edge defender. And then with Randy Gregory, you just don't know. Is he is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be suspended? He's never played more than 12 games in a season. And that's just a huge question mark. Thomas Incombe, he may not be the flashiest guy, but he can go out there, sink his anchor in the dirt, and just be a brick wall in the running game. And I like him to be that guy that uh, – 
um, that undrafted free agent that's going to make this roster and Rebels legacy jumping in real, just real fast. I want to piggyback off that with Christopher Allen is going to shock some people this year. I think that's a, a very, a very astute point as well. Uh, Inkum and Christopher Allen are going to, they're going to battle for that fifth edge spot. And one of the two is going to come away with it. And quite honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody move on from uh, move them on from John, Jonathan Cooper because Christopher Allen and Inkum just offer a little bit more versatility in what they're able to do. Yeah. I mean, Cooper's a good, a good story, really. I mean, yeah, yeah. Who, who's not going to root for, for him after everything he's been through, but yeah, they, they need to upgrade. They need to upgrade that room and they need to prepare for the future because if Randy Gregory doesn't play again, uh, well, or much this season, they're going to, they're going to move on from him, yep. right? That he's not reliable. He's not going to earn his contract and they can get out of that contract next year, relatively unscathed. So they need to prepare for the future. And, you're right. Those two have some potential. We've seen what J- Jonathan Cooper can do. I like him, love his story, but he's not going to be, he doesn't have that upside where you could say he's going to step in for right. a Randy Gregory and be that impact player that they need when yeah. Randy Gregory is not available. But yeah. there is potential for Christopher Allen and Nkun to do that. I, you know, they still have to prove that they can, obviously. We got to see them, you know, on the field in the NFL to say that for sure, but they have that potential to do that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good one, uh, for sure. I, I'm a, I'm a little hesitant to think a, a cornerback's going to make it, um, just because they've got a pretty full cornerback room with some experience mixed in with youth. It's going to be hard mm-hmm. to crack into that, um, into that uh, lineup in, from my opinion, but you know, maybe that's another, another guy they get on the practice squad and, and prepare him for the future as well. So yeah. there's the, the nice thing is there's a lot of good young options. I think there's some great, uh, actually pretty solid young options on this Broncos team. I think there's a few spots where they're lacking experienced depth. Uh, they went out and signed defensive line being one of them, but they did go out and sign someone with a little bit of experience. I wish they had a little bit more experience coming in, but there's a few areas where they, they have some young guys, but not enough experience depth in my opinion. And they, that that's where they need to maybe clear up some of that cap space to go get somebody like that. I was hoping they would go get somebody like Akeem Hicks or something to fill out that, you know, experienced defensive line rotation. Um, mm-hmm. But they didn't, they haven't done it yet, but they still might. I mean, there's still people out there that they can go get, but I think yeah. they need a, a, a couple more experienced players. Uh, they filled, they, they did it with Cameron Fleming, which I was pretty happy about, but the defensive line definitely needs to have a little bit more experience in that rotation. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think they are clearing space for it. I mean, why, why cut Brad McManus? Um, you know, if you're not clearing space for somebody, uh, I'm not sold that Dalvin Cook's coming, but people think that, that he is. But maybe it's for somebody else. Yeah. But Keith Brugman, buddy of mine, uh, joined his show, the Denver Broncos Roundup, several times now. Um, nice. And, and thanks for thanks for joining us, Keith. It's always good to see you in the chat. Uh, talking about Shaq Barrett again, saying that he's likely going to be cut as a post-June 1st designation. If so, do we bring him back? Um, Keith, we talked about this just, just a little bit ago, but I, I'll, I'll address your question just because I wanted to say, hey, um, probably not. I, I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to afford him. I think he's going to want too much money, um, even with being that that post-June 1st cut. He's, you know, he was supposed to get $21 million a season. He's not going to take, you know, $6 million from the Broncos to come back. At least I don't think that's going to be a, a potential possibility. So I just wanted to address that and say hi to my buddy, Keith. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah. Thanks for coming in, Keith, man. I appreciate you being here as always. You know, you're, you're here often and when we really like it and good luck with your, with your podcast. So uh, yeah, I, I uh, I'll have to check it out. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, man, Lance, I, 
you know, we've been we've been chopping it up here for a while, and I appreciate you jumping on here. I think we should start yeah. winding down the show a little bit, unless unless some you know big big uh, comment comes in here at the end that we really need to get to. But yeah, I uh, I've had a lot of fun, man. I've had a lot of fun talking with you. First time to do it, but it's been great. Appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem, man. I do got one thing that I want to run by you, though, because sure. uh, here earlier this afternoon, Chad Jensen, the boss man, released a story talking about um, a former NFL GM saying that Russell Wilson is fighting for his job. This was uh, Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL, uh, New York Jets mm-hmm. GM. Was uh, He's now working with ESPN kind of as a, a contributor and an analyst. Um, he said on ESPN's uh, Get Up segment, I believe yesterday, that, quote, Russell Wilson isn't fighting for his legacy. He's fighting for his job. Uh, then he went on to say uh, that he was trying to get into Sean Payton's head and portray how the Broncos' new head coach was likely going to view uh, Russell Wilson's situation. He said, quote, uh, he couldn't care about a salary cap charge, dead money, or anything like that. The best players will play. They will draft Wilson's replacement if he doesn't do everything he says from day one. If you go back to his press conference, Sean Payton talked about uh, quote, there will be no outside coaches or mentors in the building. He is the new sheriff is in town and he's beholden to no one, including Russell Wilson's guaranteed money. Like th- these are some pretty strong comments coming from a guy that has experience also under Bill Parcells, different teams, different time frames, but they both have worked with Bill Parcells. They both have that Bill Parcells mentality, man. Did you see those comments? And if you have not, what do you think about hearing them on the first time? Yeah, I haven't seen them. I mean, my first, my first uh, initial thought is, you know, you're, you're, you're working for ESPN. You need to get some buzz going, right? Let's, let's do something shocking. Tell, tell people that Russell Wilson's playing for his job, get some attention. I I, I think he probably is uh, to a certain extent. If he goes out and bombs like he did last year, heck yes. But let's face it. They brought him in to be the elite quarterback that he's supposed to be. They're hoping Sean Payton can institute an offense that brings that out of him. And if he's even pretty good, right? If he's pretty good, he's going to be sticking around. So playing for his job, maybe not. Uh, Maybe his future job in in three years, two years, three years. But yeah, I I don't know. That seems a little drastic to me. Um, But like like you said, it's no nonsense, right? If If you're not buying into this program, if you're not willing to put in the work, and if you're not willing to go out there and perform, then you're going to be out of a job, even Russell Wilson. But from my perspective, Russell Wilson is putting in the work. He's doing everything it takes to get back to that um, quarterback he was. And I I don't know. I just, it seems a little drastic to me to, to think that it's, uh, you know, he's going to get, get the ax this year and then gone. I I don't know. It seems a little drastic. I agree with you on that one. And I've, I've said it again, I've said a lot of times, I think Sean Payton's the right guy for this job. I think that uh, getting, getting, Russell Wilson. I, I, t- I talked about this specifically last night on uh, building the Broncos. I'll say it here to you. I think Russell Wilson's humbled. I, I think that he's embarrassed. I, I think that he understands and he knows what happened last season is completely unacceptable by anybody in NFL standards. Um, he had too much control. There was way too much of him jet setting the world. And I mean, sure, you, you can still be putting in work. I mean, the, the guy did high knees on the plane to London to kind of work through a hamstring injury, whatever. It's all, I don't care. <laughs> I think that as of right now, Russell Wilson is 
embarrassed and he knows that last year wasn't good enough and he knows that he's got to defend his legacy and he knows he's fighting for his job because I do believe if he puts out another performance like he did last season he will be cut and the Broncos will move on and they will draft his replacement I agree with Mike Tannenbaum here but I don't think that's going to happen I think Russell Wilson is going to have a massive rebound season this year and he might touch 4,000 yards he's probably going to throw for 25 to 30 touchdowns and keep those interceptions below 10 I think he's going to have that top 10 to 12-ish quarterback season. And with the running game the Broncos want to use, they're going to be out there just letting him go make the plays that he needs to make, let him manage the game, take the shots that you need to have, take the ball out of his hands and not let him throw it 50 times a game and get him back to that 2019 Russell Wilson form where he was a MVP candidate. And he actually should have been in the in the vote. I mean, Lamar Jackson won it unanimously, but he should have at least got voted for for an MVP. He's never even got one before. I'm not going to say yeah, he's I'm gonna, with you, man. I, yeah. I'm, I've been talking about this for a long time. He was on a Hall of Fame trajectory for sure. Probably still mm-hmm. is. You know, people like that. If it's not a major injury where you're dis, you, you're almost like Dan Marino, where he had to wear a special boot in order to be able to get back out on the field after his Achilles tear. They bounce back and have at least one or two good seasons after mm-hmm. the fact. He's he's. It's not major injuries. He's not old by any means at this point. There's no reason why he can't bounce back. I think it was a Nathaniel Hackett and him coming together, putting together something that was ill-fitted for both of them, and it didn't work out. He had a mm-hmm. bad season. It happens. You look at any NFL Hall of Fame quarterback, they've had a bad season. It happens. He's going to bounce back. I don't think he's uh, – I don't think he – he may be a little bit worried about his legacy. I don't think he's worried about his job, but he is putting the time in because, like you said, he's got pride. He's got the uh, he wants to to show people that last year was uh, a fluke and he's going to do it. I, I I think he's going to like you said, he's going to have a, a really good season bounce back and uh, people are going to forget that uh, we were uh, wishing he was cut from the team. This right here. Yeah. Brandon P jumping in here at the, at the last minute saying comeback player of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that that's the type of season you're going to see from Russell Wilson this year. And just yep. to piggyback off of a point that you had. Look at all the players that are coming to his defense. I mean, Jerry Judy just did a 45-minute podcast with Brandon Marshall the other day talking about how Russell Wilson puts in work. He's the first guy in the building, the last guy out of it. He's there, you know, at 5 o'clock in the morning, doesn't leave until 9 o'clock at night. He, he does put in this work. I, I believe Calvin Anderson was talking about it. There's multiple different players that have come out and said it wasn't necessarily a Russell Wilson problem. We just had no identity. We didn't know. And that's words out of Nathaniel Hackett's mouth himself. That later down, like we don't have an identity. We can't figure out what we're trying to do here. And that's, that's a big reason why when you, when you bring in a guy like Sean Payton, he's going to set this culture up. He's going to make it be the, the the way that it needs to be. And he's going to, he's going to turn Russell Wilson around around hundred percent and come back player of the year. Yes. It, like it, if I had extra money to put on a, a sports book to bet Russell Wilson is comeback player of the year right now, I bet the odds are around plus 600 or something like that. Yeah. I would, I would, I would put a hundred dollars on it right now, and I'd walk out of the bank. Even if he doesn't win, I'd still walk out of the bank very comfortable with losing that hundred bucks for sure. But yeah. I'm probably gonna win it. I'm probably gonna win it. That's my, that's my estimation, anyways. My only problem with it is if Demar Hamlin plays one snap, he's gonna win it. That's the only problem I have. Oh, that's if, true. If he plays one snap that's next true. year after everything that happened in you know with uh, Monday Night Football and him you know on that field, if he's able to play one snap. Uh, he's going to get it. And it, no matter how good Russell Wilson is, that's the only, that's the only caveat I'm going to throw out there is because, you know, of, of that massive uh, media 
Uh, everybody saw it. Everybody was rooting for him. So if he plays again, he's going to probably get it. But you're right. He should He should definitely do it. So Michael Ronquillo is going to send us out saying, great show tonight, Thomas Hall. And Lance, a mile high insiders, go Broncos and buck them. So as we're going out, just say happy birthday to Luke Patterson. It's not here. Uh, and thank you birthday, for Luke. Lance for stepping in. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, man, it was, it was always a lot of fun. Let me let me sign myself off really fast. Thank you all for joining us. It's been a pleasure to join you, Tom, and to actually chop it up for a minute and actually have some fun. It was a really good conversation. I really enjoyed it, and hopefully we can do it again. Follow me, guys, on Twitter at LanceS underscore MHH, and you all stay safe and take care. Have a great weekend, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.